Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yordana Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachat Megillah, daf kaf gimel, page twenty-three. So we have a hot topic here in the middle of the daf, really towards the bottom of Amud Aleph, um, going on top of Bet. Tana Rabbanan Hakol Olin Leminyan Shiva. We've talked about how this is a setup of tefillah, and this is it says everybody goes to count towards. It says minyan. It doesn't mean the minyan like a, a ten people quorum for prayer, but the count of shiva, the seven aliyot that are expected to be part of the the Shabbat Torah reading. Right? You have seven aliyot. Everybody goes is counted for this these seven. As we've said, every time you've got a, a rule of everybody, then we're going to have an exception. Right? Vafilu. This is an important distinction as compared to the last time we had one of these. Everybody can read the Megillah. Except for now, we've got everybody can count for the Torah reading, the seven Torah reading, seven Aliyot Torah reading. Except for no, I'm sorry, before the except for the Afilu, even the Katan, the Afilu Isha says even a minor and even a woman. Now everybody should be jumping up and down because one second we don't, you know, in most traditional Orthodox halachically observing synagogues do not have women counting for Aliyot. Um, partnership minyan is a whole separate story, and it's a very relatively new thing. We're not really going to talk about that, but um, we got to understand what's going on here. Because if everybody counts for the quorum of the people who are reading the Torah, including a katan, even a minor, and a woman, but we don't do this, then the question is, of course, why not? Aval amru chachamim, and here we go. Isha lotikra b'torah. Chachamim made a decree. They said the woman will not read from the Torah. Mipnei kvod Kvod Tibor, out of respect for the congregation. Of course, now everybody should be jumping up out of the chairs to say, what, what, what? How can it be that a woman reading would be a problem of Kvod Tibor and a katan, a minor reading, is not a problem of Kvod Tibor? You're asked, I would say everybody who's jumping up and yelling about this is doing exactly the right thing. Wouldn't you say here, Dana? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, you know, <laughs> look, this is one of those passages we could spend probably like three episodes talking about. Um, <laughs> But I think it's good to know. So what I would say is this. I think it's good to know where it all comes from. This is a where it all comes from passage. That's exactly right. This is where it all comes from. And um, there's, and you know, the discussion of Kavod Sibor. What does Kavod Sibor mean? What does it mean to honor the congregation? And the the passages in the Rishonim, the analysis that goes into exactly what's really going on here is really interesting. Um, this is also where those partnership those partnership congregations that we're not talking about, um, where they begin to find the solution to have women having to be participating in the Torah reading and so on. Um, it is very clear here, meaning this decree from Chazal is not ambiguous. They don't ever deliberate here. It simply says, you know, Isha that's the rule, and then that's it. Like they don't they don't equivocate. They don't say, but what if she's this kind of woman? Or what if there are no men there? Right? There's a lot of, you could imagine a lot of Gemara type of discussion of different cases, and it's not present here. So that's worth noting as well. Um, I just want to go on just a, a tiny drop, and then I'll turn it over to you, Yardina, because what happens after this, Breita, uh, it's really a Tosefta um, that's cited here in the in Masachat Megillah. We then have a dilemma, Ibai Lahu, and this is now, meaning they've moved right on, right? We could have a lot of conversation about that previous little passage, not so little, meaning in terms of what we might want to say. 
it moves right on to talk about the maftir aliyah, which is as follows. Maftir Does it count for the seven? What's the maftir aliyah? The person who comes up to read from the Haftorah, from the Navi, they're reading from the Book of the Prophets, and the Haftorah is then therefore considered, you know, a step down, let's say, from reading from the Torah itself. But the question is, somebody's coming up to read from the Navi, from the books of the prophets, how do you like come up to the to the to lead the congregation and read from the Navi with without paying attention to the fact that there's a Torah right there? So the idea is that the Maftir is, and this is another one of these like this is where it's from. We have the Maftir Aliyah that the person reading the Haftorah will read a little bit from the final Aliyah or the final passage of the Torah reading to give kavod to the Torah, to give honor to the Torah before you know, dig into the reading of the maftir, of the of the actual haftorah. So now the question is, does that maftir reading, that that part that accompanies the haftorah to make sure that the Torah itself is not slighted by the reading of the haftorah, um, so to speak, right? Um, does that count for the seven? Rav Huna, Rabbi Yirmiya, Bar Abba, Charamar, Olev, Charamar, Eno Ole. Of course, this is a debate. One says yes, one says no. The one who says that it counts is because he's read from the Torah, so doesn't that count? Meaning you're automatically counting as, counted as one who's read from the Torah. But of course, the one who says it doesn't count, this goes according to the opinion of Ula, where Ula previously had said, this is the source of why we read from the Torah first, right? Why is it that one reads a bit from the Torah before beginning reading from the prophets? Because of res- giving respect to the Torah itself. So because the whole reason that the person is reading from the Torah at this point is not to count as part of the Torah reading, but simply to give honor to the Torah when you come up to talk, really your focus there is for the Book of the Prophets, um, so then this view says it can't count. It can't count because it's not really part of the main thing. So I would note here that we've got Kavod Sibur and Kavod Torah in parallel, even though they're also not the same thing at all, meaning the, but the, the organization of the DAF puts them in parallel. And to say that there's, there's um, I, I, I want to say it's like not the, what you would think of as halachic considerations, Right, meaning they are halachic considerations. The idea of kvod tibor is halachic consideration. The idea of kvod tibor is halachic kvod torah is halachic consideration. But but the idea is that you have you're going to have a Torah reading that's going to have seven aliyot, and that's your main thing. So then the honor giving reading, the addendum, so to speak, is still a halachic consideration, but in a really different kind of way. Um, the fundamental practice has a different motivation, and if we don't. We're not really talking about kavana here. There's. It's not a matter of intent, but it, I think it does shape the practice a little bit differently when you know that the reason you're doing it is is to be additional, so to speak, as opposed to being the main the main act of the seven aliyot. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing, like that you're sort of not the main act, but it's a good question. I, you know, you know, where should they sort of be counted, and what's the role? of the person who is mopped or having to read part of the Torah um, itself. 
I'm going to move on to the Mishnah that's here. Um, and this Mishnah, which it's kind of confusing. I, I felt I almost had to read it twice. But it's basically setting up of things that we don't do without a minyan. So we don't recite the introductory sort of prayers or the blessings before the Shema, or we don't have somebody sort of repeat the Amida, uh, the Shlich Tzibor doesn't repeat an Amida, or the Kohanim don't, you know, do Berchad Kohanim, or we don't read from the Torah or read from the Nabiim unless there are Zeminyan there. The Enosin Ma'amad Umoshab, we don't observe the practice of standing up and sitting down for giving eulogies. The Gemara will explain exactly what this is, but this was a practice that was done when they actually gave Hespadim when somebody died. And we don't say the mourner's blessing or the comfort mourning, the lines that we say after a funeral, or the bridegroom's blessings, that's the Sheva Rachot. And we don't have a Zimun, right, where we say, the word Elokeinu, where we say God's name in it, uh, unless there's 10 people, 10 men present. Um, and in the, uh, you know, in, uh, if we're talking about Karkaot, so what are Karkaot? This is land that was designated as basically being Hegdesh. And now a person basically wants to say that it's no longer Hegdesh, right? It's no longer, they sort of redeem it. And there's a whole process by which they redeem it. Um, and so there we allow that it has to be nine men and one priest because the priest is involved in redeeming it and will allow the priest who's involved, the coin who's involved to help with that. And also assessing the value of a person. So we're going to get to this masachad in a few years, but there's a concept called erchin where basically a person says, I have a value and there's different values that's assigned to a man, to a woman um, based on age and things like that and gender. Um, and they basically say, I'm going to, pledge my value uh, to the temple. But when they do this, it has to be done with a minyan there, one of whom also has to be a priest. So I think here what the chiddush is, is that even though the priest functions as part of having this process happen, whether it's redeeming this land or the process of a person dedicating their value to the temple, they can still count as part of the minyan. And then we have a very, very famous gemara here, which is where do we get this concept of counting 10 men towards a minion? Menahani Mila, where do we know this from? Amar Rabbi Chiyar Bar Abba, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Amar Kra, right? We get it from the following Pasuk in Vayikra, chapter 22, verse 32, the Betoch B'nei Yisrael, right? Where it says, and I will be made, I will be sanctified in, in, in B'nei Yisrael. Kol davar Anything that is a davar shebikdusha, that's an expression basically of, of, of holiness, of sanct or has sanctity in it, has to be with ten men. My mashma. So then the Gemara says, wait, but how do you get this from this pasuk of Nitzati Betoch B'nei Israel? Detani Rabbi Chia. So Rabbi Chia taught. Atia toch toch. So we basically are going to make a gezera shaba, right? Which is where we, you know, we take the context of a word in one place where it appears in the Bible, and then, by inference, we say that those same circumstances or would those same conditions apply with how that word appears in a different context. And the word here is toch. Ketiv hacha, right here, this pasuk in Vayikra, chapter 22, verse 32, where it says, the nikdashti betoch b'nei Yisrael, uketiv hatam hibdalu mitoch Right? This is a, a pasuk from Bamidbar, chapter 16, verse 21, okay? Uh, where it says, separate yourselves 
from amongst this congregation. The congregation that they're talking about here, the Eidah here, is with Korach. This has to do with Korach, um, right? Remember, tried to sort of create a rebellion with Moshe, and they're referred to as an Eidah. And then, so what's true with one toch has to be true with one another toch. Now they're going to give a second Gezer Shava. But Atya Eidah Eidah, right? So now which they're going to look at another place where the word Eidah appears, right? Right? Here we're talking about what happened with the 10 spies, with the Meraglim. So we know they sent 12 spies. Yoshua and Kalev were the ones who came back with a good report. It was 10 spies who came back with a bad report. And so the Pasuk here in Bamidbar, chapter 14, verse 27 says, right? How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? Okay? Mala Halan Asara, there that Eidahara'ah was and Afkan Asara. So here also, right, in the case of Korach, when we talk about the Eidah, it has to also be 10 men. And so therefore, when we have the 10, the Toch Toch also has to apply to a category of 10. Very, very famous Gemara. Now, it's a little roundabout how this happens. You're sort of taking two Gezer Shabbos, and ultimately you're getting to a Pasuk in Vayikra that has the word Toch, to a pasuk in Bamidbar that has the word Eda that refers to 10. And then you're sort of saying they're all interconnected to each other. And again, you know, this obviously goes to the question of, is this a Messoa that they had that it was 10? And then they go back to find the Pesukim? Or did they really learn this out from the Pesukim and using Gezei Shava? And I, I really want to emphasize here something about how these things are done. This is not an Asmachta, right? An Asmachta is where... You know, they have a tradition about something and they'll try to find a pasuk. It's generally in the Nevi'im or the Ketuvim. And they sort of say, this is a hint to it. Gezereshav is on a very different level. There are certain what we call midot. They're really techniques by which we are allowed to uh, make conclusions or let's say insights. That's a better word. That we can make insights into the wording of the Torah. And a Gezereshav is one of them. It's not a hint. It's a tool that's used in order to understand halakha, in order to say that the text is actually here to teach us something. So as roundabout as this sounds, I want to emphasize, though, they're using the technique of Gezerah Shava, which is part of the limited techniques that are allowed to be used uh, where we can gain a new insight into text that may impact halakha. But I know this isn't going to sit well with everybody. I know there are people who are going to read this and be like, well, this is like a very roundabout way to get to 10. And we know that this learning, you know, impacts so many things about how, you know, let's say standard halachic practice functions. I'm going to make it worse. Uh, first, I want to note that I think there is no other time that there's a double Gezer Shava like this, which just speaks to the point that there must have been some kind of Mesora that they knew that it had to be 10 and how were they going to get there? But here's the worst part. The Eida, right? The Eida, so it goes Toch, Toch, Eida, Eida. But the Eida that they get to, that you get the 10 from, is talking about the Miraglim, right? It's talking about the spies that Moshe sent out to scatter the land. And the way we get the Eida is because it's Toch, Eida, Hara'ahazot, meaning this evil, wicked, bad, whatever term you want to translate, Ra'atabi, right? The You've got the 10 spies, the 12 spies went out. Two of them are good. And how many, what's the number of the spies that are left that count as the ra'ah, the bad grouping? That's 10. So we learn our our quorum for Nikadash to be talking Israel for the amount of people, the number of people, the number of men, rather, excuse me, that we need to be able to have um, a, a group that will sanctify the name of God 
from the Edaharaah, from the from the spies who came back and said bad things about Eretz Israel at the time of Moshe. So the the limud here is difficult, I think, on many different levels. And and yet I would say that there's also something about it that works because we could say, but look, like even from the ten spies, we can learn from that. We can sanctify God's name. So I think that's a also distract. a really key point here. The two, and I think it's saying something very depressing about human nature, that the two examples we have of groups of ten, they did terrible things, terrible things to undermine our people, right? Terrible things that undermine the kihila, the eda. So what do we get from exactly as you said, Anne, that like sort of our model number of 10 come from two terrible examples in Sefer Bamidbar of Korach and the Moraglim? I don't have a good answer to it. It doesn't sit well with me every time I read this Gemara. I don't like it. If I want to darshan it, I could say, look, everybody's got the capacity for whatever. But I, I don't think that's pshat. I think pshat is really, Yardina, as you described it, meaning don't pay too much attention to where you get who the people are that you get the Eda term about, right? I think that it becomes a little disturbing when you realize who it is. And and now, you know, the I would say if if nothing else, it teaches the power of the Mesora, right? This idea that we have a tradition that there's going to be 10 and we need to find uh, uh, some kind of proof text for it. That becomes very, very powerful. And as I said, we can always darken it and say, but everybody has the capacity to sanctify God, even if they were, you know, they got in with a bad crowd. Yeah, and I, and I think it does tell us something about sort of like crowd, how crowds work. Crowds do not always come to good. Majority does not always come to good. Um, so much more to unpack here, which I don't think we actually have time for. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank is reviews on all major, major podcasts. Thank you to Revenue Michelle Barber for hosting us on. Let us know what you thought about. I think we had two nice controversial things on this DAP today. We're talking down the Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.